Hello world, welcome to the High Paying Bastards. We are your hosts, Ian and Ari. Here we will discuss anything related to video game culture, so please take a seat and join us. I like to kill them softly, from a distance, not close enough for feelings, don't like feelings, don't want to think about them, and that's why they call me Mr. Sniper Elite 5. <laughs> I mean, if that's what you want, that's what you want. Oh that's yeah, that, like, that quote reminded me of the Sniper Elite 5 game that we played, we're probably going to be reviewing a little bit later on, so stick around for that part. So, yeah, we're already starting our recording, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Yeah. I I wish we could jump right into that, honestly. Uh, yeah, me too. But we can't do that, Ian. We have responsibilities. We got duties. So we're yeah. going to start with a little bit of uh, video game news. Let's see what we have first. So apparently, according to Ubisoft, and this is from the Insider Gaming, uh, they did an interview with Philip Tremblay, director of subscription at Ubisoft, probably one of the least likable job in the industry, in my opinion. But he said, Millions of users have flocked to Ubisoft's cloud-based streaming service since it launched, and there are expectations that number of users adopting these subscription-based models will swell as time goes. He stressed that gamers should get comfortable with these services, and that despite some users still clinging to physical games, that is you, Ian, and a consumer shift needs to happen. So what he's trying to say is that we need to get used to the idea that we should be more focused on subscription-based gaming than actually owning the game itself. What do you say to that? I mean, you might want to edit this out, but I say he can eat my (laughs) (laughs) or my fucking asshole, either one. I mean, I understand what he's saying as far as getting comfortable not owning your games for the subscription-based thing, right? I get that. Um, That's still such an asinine and anti-consumer thing to say, though, in my opinion. Absolutely. You know, he's saying like we need to get comfortable with not owning any games. Well, I'm comfortable with not owning any Ubisoft games anymore. If that's the case, he wants to push it for. It's kind of crazy because the, every single publisher, if they start pushing out like they're doing in the streaming war, then suddenly now, do I have to subscribe to Ubisoft? Do I have to subscribe to Microsoft, Xbox, PlayStation Plus, PC, Steam, like all of these things? That's just kind of crazy. That'd be way too much of a subscription of choices that if I want to have a, you know, proper gameplay experience. Dude, it's crazy. That That is such a fucking nuts thing to think about, right? I mean, it, the PlayStation alone is now, I think it's like $70 now or something like that a year. You know, I do you, you don't have Ubisoft, right? You don't have the Ubisoft Plus? I have Uplay, but I don't have the Ubisoft Plus itself now. Okay. Well, but still, like, you know, you think about it every month, you're paying five, 10, 20, $30 to every different subscription service that you have. What the fuck? What, like, how am I supposed to live? How am I supposed to fucking pay rent? How am I supposed to really enjoy anything? How am I supposed to pay for a car, pay for gas, pay for food? You know, when I got all my money going out to every single subscription that there is out there. I mean, it's already bad enough that I got to pay for heated seat subscription on my BMW. You know what I mean? Well, to be fair, Ian, you don't have a BMW, so don't you die. Don't you lie to me. I've seen your car. I know that, you know, you're somebody who will remove a seat for a good audio system, too. So I don't know what you're trying to make with that example. But I understand where it's coming from. It's like the subscription model is taking over in almost every aspect of what we do in our day-to-day life. And if you're subscribing to the TV shows we watch, which is, you know, 
already quite a bit because now you have to either subscribe to Paramount Plus or Hulu or something like that. But at least with the TV shows, there is a illegal alternative where I can kind of like you know, say, go fuck yourself and then to tell these people and then go and fucking pirate the TV shows or whatever. But with video games, I can't do that. You you can't really do that at all anymore, at least. Like you're not going to get a proper, like with the DRM and everything else, you're not going to be able to do that. So I'm kind of... uh stuck with like whatever model they decide to push it this guy's saying we need to get used to it but what's happening is that he's going to shove it down our throat yeah he's saying whether or not this is happening you know whether you like it or not and by the way you know just because it's drm yeah you won't be able to enjoy the multiplayer aspect but you can still play some single player stuff out there (laughs) (laughs) you know i mean oh there you go hey that's uh that's your pie go get your pie yeah, 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 yeah. Go, go on though. I mean, what he's saying is ridiculous, right? Like, yeah, I, it's so crazy. Yeah, you go handle your pie. I think I have a little bit of things I probably would probably say a little bit more here because one of the things that I'm a little bit more concerned about is that, in my opinion, a subscription based model for gaming itself is not a good idea for the game industry as well. I think if you're a subscription provider and you want to make sure that you have a lot more game options, like. No studio has a single, one single, like in a studio that has all the gaming option, right? You need to have this licensing deal between those publishers and developers so that you can put their games on your subscription base to get more people into your stuff. Now you're going to be spending so much money on your licenses that it's not going to be able to make up enough money, no matter how many billion dollars per month you can make. It's not going to be enough for, like, you know, satisfy those licensing costs. So, for example, when Starfield was probably put into the Xbox, the Game Pass, they probably had to pay out at least a couple of hundred billion dollars or something like that to make sure they have that licensing to do so because they wanted to keep it exclusive in the Game Pass. But now, if they do that, then you can't be spending, like, billions and billions of dollars on... Every single game licenses, if you do that, then what are you going to spend on the kind of game you want to develop? You know, that's that's going to be an unsustainable model later on. That's my personal opinion. I think they're shooting themselves in the foot on that case. Yeah, definitely. I think this would also kill a lot of indie developers too, because I know with Steam, they have to pay, there's like a 30% cut that Steam takes or something like that from sales. So like, obviously Ubisoft is going to implement something like that too, if they start hosting other games on their launcher, right? Yeah, yeah. But the weird thing is like, yeah, that's where like, you know, they're going to start fighting for exclusives and stuff like that too, right? But weird thing is that they'll probably have kind of a, like this kind of like, the same way they have this streaming wars happening with what kind of licenses they can obtain, which show can be on what platform, and you don't even know where Office is anymore. So like, that's going to be the case with a lot of your games as well. Like, too many streaming platforms. If you're an indie developer, it's going to be hard for your game to gain enough visibility. Even if you have a good game and you're only in some, like, Uplay Plus or something like that, you're not going to have as much visibility as you did with the Steam. And if you want to pay less of a commission, you're going to have to go exclusive with the platform or you're going to have to pay a higher price and go with across multiple platforms. So you're right, like, indie game developers are going to eat a lot of shit on it, to be frank. But the weird thing is, like, you know, even the publishers themselves, they're not going to have a very good business model on their end either. It's not going to be sustainable because, if, for example, Ubisoft made a deal in the same article it mentions in Insider Gaming that they also made a deal with Activision Blizzard to make sure that their game can be on Ubisoft as well. With Microsoft, they made that deal. Now, how much licensing cost do you think they paid Microsoft for Activision Blizzard games? Like billions of dollars, probably. It's going to be very expensive. 
And yeah. they're going to do that with every single studio. They're going to do that with PS as well, like PlayStation. They're going to do that with Sony. They're going to do that with like you know every other developer. Like how much money in licensing you're going to pay? You're going to have multiple big games coming out. Are you going to pay licensing costs for every single one of them? Like you're not going to have enough subscriber to satisfy that kind of business model at all. Like learn from MoviePass a little bit. You know, MoviePass existed. Learn from that. Yeah, I think like you said, it's it's a really anti-consumer thing for one and it only satisfies shareholders in the short short run the shortcomings of it i think like you said in the long run of things it it will end up hurting them everyone doing this yeah well, i guess like now it is just the trend for businesses to not be as profitable i guess you know like so, in every business wants to lose money or something yeah fucking boohoo right <laughs> <laughs> i mean we'll see how this kind of plans out Although I'm not very optimistic about it, is all I'm going to say. I hope that people cancel their Ubisoft Plus subscriptions just to tell them, fuck you. I mean, like you said, I'm comfortable with not owning a Ubisoft game. This has definitely set me for in the future when it comes to Ubisoft titles to really think about and like, I'm not getting anything first come. You know what I mean? It's going to be discounted and it's going to be heavily discounted. Same thing I do with EA. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, vote with your money. Vote with your money on that, and that's the best we can do. Yeah, that's only that's the only thing you can do. But moving on, um, you want to move on to some PC Gamer GameStop news? Yeah, absolutely. So, according to this article from PC Gamer, GameStop has decided to wind down their NFT marketplace due to continuing regulatory uncertainty of the crypto space. Uh, I think that's a big fat lie. It's just unprofitable. A message the marketplace's website reads, adding that the platform will no longer be operating as of February 2nd this year, 2023. Now, NFT, you know, it's like a, it's like, oh, ye, we hardly knew ye kind of thing, right? Uh, it was the big thing last year. A lot of the, like in a hype around it. They invested quite a bit in creating a platform for that kind of thing. But they're saying because of the regulatory uncertainty that they're canceling it. I don't buy it. The reason I don't buy it is because, come on, when they entered it, what regulatory regulatory certainty was even there in the beginning? It was Wild West. They thought this was going to go up or something like that. But it turns out, you know, this is just a, a passing trend more than anything else. And they're yeah. trying to back out of it. Yeah, it's a passing fad, man. I mean, surprise, surprise, right? We were all so shocked to hear that GameStop is getting rid of NFTs. It's, it's not surprising. It, it is what it is. Here's a question for you then, Ian. So yeah. now you're somebody who wants to own a digital game because, you know, it solidifies your ownership of it and they cannot take it from you. Not digital, sorry, but a physical version, right? Now, yeah. what if they had a basically an NFT version of a non-fungible token version of a full-on source code of a game, right? And then you can take that NFT and play that game in a NFT platform would you be then interested in buying it? Because if they properly implement the NFT, which they did not do in GameStop, which, you know, they were copying the GameStop NFT everywhere. But if this was really something that solidifies your ownership of the digital version of the game, would you have been open to that idea? Yeah, of course. Um, I'm all for consumer ownership of whatever it is. It's your property, right? Um, One of the reasons why I bought a lot of physical games is because that I own it. I would like to own it in the same retrospect uh, digitally just so that it is easier to switch games and stuff because let's be honest, it's a pain in the ass when you have physical, 
you know, especially if you have like your your console in a cubby or something like that, and you have to like open stuff up, you got to open eight different cases to put in your game that you want, you know. And it, I mean, sure, it we're all about you know saving as much time as we can nowadays, right? So having that digital, just being able to push push a couple buttons on your controller real quick and be right into a new game is it's very nice to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the thing about it is like, you know, like Steam is basically a DRM management platform, right? Like DRM platform more than anything else. It basically allows you to take the licensing keys that you purchase as a game and then play using the Steam uh, and it gets the cut on it. And then it's a marketplace. So like similar to DRM platform, you have an NFT platform that no matter what platform you choose, you can play the NFT you bought wherever, right? Even if a publisher is selling the NFT like for like $69 and now you can play that in that platform if that had been the case i would have supported like an nft but all they did was just you know try to sell skins more than anything else with the nft and it didn't really go anywhere else uh but gamestop is kind of shutting it down so we'll see like you know if this thing ever pops back up ever again with a better implementation than it ever has yeah i mean it's got to be someone other than gamestop to implement it though you know what yeah, i mean it's, yeah it's not going to exist <laughs> until then you know Despite so, all the, you know, rocket ship memes you want to make, you know, like wherever <laughs> that went, yeah, to the moon, wherever that, whatever happened there, you know? Yeah. A lot uh, of people lost money is what happened. Yeah. I didn't get to no moon. That's for damn sure. <laughs> um, yeah. Let's move on. Yeah. Moving on. Uh, we got some news again from PC Gamer. Rockstar banned T-Pain from playing GTA Online RP, which is role playing. While he works on GTA 6, then apparently Rockstar bought the RP mod makers anyway. And uh, T-Pain is quoted as saying, y'all told me I couldn't do this shit. Then y'all teamed up the people that enabled the RP shit to happen? Question mark. (laughs) Yeah, I've never played the uh, no pixel RP server. I know like the way like I was looking over and then when I saw a couple of the videos and etc. It's very popular with people who stream GTA online uh, on their channels, right? Yeah, it, it's huge. Honestly, it's probably arguably the biggest RP server for GTA Online that there is. Um, there's a lot of people that play on it. They actually just did a mayoral elections on uh, No Pixel. That is that is amazing. See, that is exactly what I thought a GTA <laughs> Online would be. Right, like you'd be able to live whatever life you want to live. Make up a character, dress it up, give it a backstory. You can be a cab driver. You can be a yep. like in a paramedic if you want to. Of yep. course, like you know, if you want to live an online life, the only thing you don't have to do is like you know, just actually go around killing people. You want to actually kind of weirdly simulate the actual life. Sometimes it's just kind of crazy. I, I loved when I was looking over a couple of the videos on these things. Man, this is amazing. Yeah, I think the other big one was called like One Life or something like that. There was like an RP server very similar to it. But yeah, it's it's huge and it's got a huge following. There's actually a couple streamers that I watch that stream it. And uh, they, they have their rules and stuff like that. One of them being like, uh, you know, you have to value your life and stuff like that. So you can't just throw it away. But um, I think the, the the funnier thing is, you know, that Rockstar bought them out, bought out NotePixel. Like, that's, that's kind of interesting, if you ask me. Yeah, I mean, that begs the question, in my opinion, like, what relationship would the game developer or the, yeah, the game developers like Rockstar would have with the modders, its actual consumers, you know? Like, should they have a more collaborative relationship or more combative? 
Like they would have collaborative, then that'd be awesome. But oftentimes, like they don't want somebody else changing the look and aspect of their game. So they often end up being very combative. I don't know what they will do with the no pixel, whether they will maintain how it works and everything else on their online gameplay, or they will completely dismantle it. I doubt they would dismantle it considering how popular it is. But it'll be kind of interesting to see where they will go with this kind of environment and what it will look in GTA 6 online variety as well, what it will look by the time GTA 6 comes up. Yeah, I don't think Rockstar will dismantle it either. No Pixel being like the biggest uh, RP server for GTA, but there's a lot of RP servers out there uh, for GTA 5. So I don't see Rockstar uh, dismantling No Pixel by any means, but it would be interesting if they, you know, maybe hired some of the mod makers that work on No Pixel. That would be interesting and, and good for them, in my opinion. The reason I'm kind of a little bit worried is because they probably want to uh, revamp their online by launching the GTA 6 version of it. And even though they'll make money no matter GTA 5 or GTA 6, they might want to try and push everybody towards the GTA 6 online. So it'll be kind of a little bit worried on my end, like in how they will treat this kind of relationship with the modders, like whether they will embrace it or whether they'll be more combative. It's a very interesting kind of relationship that comes up between modders and the developers. Oftentimes modders, they improve the game, but by the time they've done so much with it, it looks completely different. If not improved, sometimes it also kind of hampers the legacy of the game as well. Uh, see, you know, that whatever happened with the naked Chun-Li or whatever. <laughs> well, I think Rockstar kind of takes the same approach that Bethesda does as far as modders go versus the Capcom approach. You know what I mean? I yeah. think uh, Rockstar is more embracing of it and sees the improvements that they make and are happy with it, to say the least. Yeah, that's what they all want. But ultimately, their main goal is like, and how do we uh, monetize the modding community yeah. too, oh, more yeah, than anything yeah. else? Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, like, you know, a lot of the news we find interesting is like, you know, we'll see how it goes. Is That should be our catchphrase more than anything yeah. else. It's like, let's <laughs> time, see how this time goes. Will yeah. Time, time will tell. tell yeah. yeah. I mean, with the GTA 6 coming up, what, uh, in next three years or something, we'll see how that works out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, like let's, yeah. Let's move on to the next one from Everyone Gaming. So this one's uh, news regarding the Square Enix, right? So according to Square Enix CEO Takashi Kiryu, no relations to the Kiryu from Like a Yakuza, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> like a Yakuza. Yakuza, like a dragon. Uh, Takashi Kiryu, uh, not a Yakuza gang member, of course, says the company wants quality over quantity on its lineup of future games as they don't always hit the targets with so many projects going out on the market. So basically what he's saying is that they don't want to release as many games as, as they have been, which is kind of ironic considering how long it's been since the Final Fantasy VII uh, remake and rebirth is coming in. But they would like to focus more on the quality of the quantity and try to focus on fewer titles. Now, Overall, it sounds like a good thing, but this is where I am a little bit concerned. What it means is that every game that they make has to be a big, big hit. Like if they lower the amount of games that they're releasing, what they is like, and they're trying to say, okay, uh, in order for the game to uh, company to keep getting funded and keep making revenue, it has to be a game that is very, very good and very, very popular. Now, that is not a bad thing, but it does put a lot of pressure on wanting to get a hit after hit, which means they will rely more and more on their proven IPs like Final Fantasy and etc. right? So we're not really going to see them try to take a chance with like Sleeping Dogs or Sleeping Dogs 2 that we played that is pretty good. So we'll see more Final Fantasies and stuff like that. 
more maybe hopefully like you know the ips that they're already leaning more on but it's again like you know we'll see how it goes but my hope was that you know square enix if they really want to focus on trying to make them more sustainable that they'd focus more on trying to get more of their game in cross-platform in other areas too yeah, I mean, hearing a company say that they want to focus on the quality of their game versus the quantity of them, in my opinion, it's never a bad thing to hear. But like you said, it does put them in a position where whatever they release has to hit. Um, if it's not hitting, then they're taking, you know, faults every step of the way. And that's not good for a company, right? Compared to other developers, Square Enix does have, a, in my opinion, a better quality control when the games come out with lesser amount of bugs and stuff i'm thinking about near automata and final fantasy franchise most of the time when i think about square enix but they have other games like you know your uh, dragon quest i think right is dragon quest yep. from them yeah yep. dragon, or like, dragon quest, star or, ocean yeah Octopath. visions of mana yeah like so they have like pretty decent quality control coming out even when they've been releasing all those kind of games at the same time. My only concern is that that means they're not going to rely as much on, you know, newer ideas. Visions of Mana is interesting because that's going to be their first game I think that's going to come out on another platform other than their usual PlayStation. I think it's going to be coming out on Xbox, so it'll be interesting if they find that to be a really good route to take. Well, it wouldn't be the first time. There was that one game um, on the 360 that they came out with. I think it was. Uh, I can't remember what the game was called, though. But um, it was very similar, I think, to like the not Way of the Samurai, but um, uh, what the hell is that one? Fuck, I'm not going to remember what the hell it is. <laughs> so, uh, You've given me but, quite a bit to uh, edit out, but that's good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think the Visions of Mana will will be good for them. I don't see that being bad at all, especially if they just expand on like their Mana series. Yeah. I would love to play Final Fantasy, the single-player uh, experience with like Final Fantasy Rebirth. That's going to be coming out pretty soon. That'd be awesome to kind of play, but I've never had a chance to play those games when it comes out because I'm more of a PC person. Like I play PC games only because I'm poor. <laughs> I don't have... Uh, I have PS4, I think, but my brother only plays FIFA on it, so he doesn't let me borrow it. Dude, they're they're so long though; they eat up so much damn time. You know, like I, it's really hard to dedicate yourself to that when you don't have a whole lot of time, and that's why, like, I don't play a lot of those ones. Yeah, usually I don't mind because I set up like a fixed one to one and a half or two hours in the evening, and I play it, finish it up. Now, looking when we're doing this video game podcast, right? Uh, if I have to play a game, I set those time. I play, I enjoy it. If I don't finish the game, that's fine. Usually, I'm okay with living things as it is. Than I used to be back in the day. Like back in the day, I had to finish a game. Like I had to complete it. I had to. I didn't care about the achievements or anything, but I had to see the end of the story or something like that. But now I'm more like. You know, I actually have to wake up for a job tomorrow morning, so I'm just gonna finish it up and then go to bed and damn time or something like that i mean i i don't I know you have, I finish you, a game yeah, I think or you not. have even yeah sorry sorry Ian. i think you have even less amount of time than i do probably that's why yeah yeah i have like no time man um uh i don't care if i finish a game but i i get really wishy-washy with how i feel on what i want to play so it, it's really hard for me to sit down and be like okay 
I'm going to play this game, you know, and it's like, if I'm not having fun, I don't want to fucking play it at all. That's kind of like what I, what happened with like evil West a little bit for me. So that's like, you know, you have to kind of enjoy the game to finish it too. Right. Like if you're feeling yeah. mediocre about a game, even if you don't hate it, uh, you not really want to like, you know, spend too much time on it. Um, although this one thing about square Enix, one last thing about it is that, you know, it's kind of weird it, because like back in the day, yeah, game developers would release like four or five or six games in a year and all of them would be pretty good bangers. Nowadays, like, you know, I think the games have become so much heavier with like the quality that they need to have or story yeah. or graphics. It's, it has been kind of much more difficult to release multiple games in the same year, like in you know, a lot of games from the same publisher. So I think even if Square Enix here is trying to say like, oh, we're going to focus on quality over quantity, I think it's more because they now have to. They don't have a choice of just like releasing five like Final Fantasy games or something like that. Like Final Fantasy, what, seven through 10 that just came out in the span of three or four years. Well, look at this, like Final Fantasy seven remake and Final Fantasy seven rebirth. How many years has it been? It's like that one came out, the remake came out about what? Before pandemic, right? Shit, yeah, something like that. Yeah. So we'll see where it goes. Uh, Well, good luck to uh, Kazuya Kiryu. No, wait, Takashi Kiryu. That's, yeah, I think that's the other ones from the uh, Yakuza series. Also, the game I was thinking of on the 360 was Last Remnant. It was a it was a pretty big one. I know a lot of my friends played it. I didn't play it, but uh, it was a another big like kind of Final Fantasy esque like huge game. So, yeah. Moving on, Ian, to Yo. much more exciting news about mobile gaming. I want to like since the last. Uh, time we talked about in the last episode, uh, I've been trying to find actual website that keeps track of mobile game news because it always flies so much under the radar. But yeah. the, so I'm following mobilegamer.biz. Uh, I think they have pretty decent articles kind of coming up. So they released an article about the top grossing mobile games of 2023. The top two games are Honor of Kings and PUBG, both of them grossing about $1.48 billion to $1.14 billion, respectively, one and two. Interestingly, Fortnite is not on it because I think uh, Apple removed the Fortnite because of the losses that are going on. So it's not going to be up there. But mobile games, you know, $1.48 billion, that's a crazy, crazy amount. I think that's way more than what Call of Duty or Hogwarts Legacy made. Yeah, Yeah. mostly. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Both of them by Tencent as well. Yeah. Uh, coming from like, Tencent. Yeah, the Chinese gaming market is so much more like, you know, on the mobile gaming sector. I think last time I was trying to figure out why is it that mobile game makes so much money. I think it's because a lot of people who play mobile games are not like hardcore gamers. I wouldn't consider you a, like myself a hardcore gamer, but I try to keep myself up to date with the gaming news and latest games on consoles as much as possible. But I think a lot of people who play the mobile games are exactly the opposite. They're not going to be around in the gaming news, you know, Reddit thread or something like that. They're just casual players. And I think that's what's really pushing a lot of these uh, mobile games to make so much money is because they appeal so directly to just normal people like Candy Crush, like, you know, just somebody's dad waiting on dentist office or something like that. It can appeal to those people so easily. So it kind of makes sense that this one a company kind of like mobile games making so much money 
Yeah, it's definitely for the casual crowd, for sure. Um, Something that you just pick up and play for a minute and then let go just as easily. Not a bad thing. I mean, you know, play what you want to play, enjoy what you want to enjoy. I just, I don't like a lot of the practices that are involved with the mobile um, Yeah. Yeah, like, look at this, like, yeah, Candy Crush Saga, like, which pushes a lot of, you know, microtransaction and stuff, they make about 70 to $90 million a month in 2023. That's the third highest grossing game as well. That is, like, that's a crazy fucking number for, like, a game to do that. Like, (laughs) holy crap. The game that came out when I was in college, like, 10 years ago or something, is still making. So what it also kind of says is that, the top grossing mobile games are so rigid, like a new game cannot penetrate easily. So of the top 10 of 2023 games, there are only two that are new games that enter that list. Uh, one of them being Honkai uh, Star Rail and the other being Monopoly Go. Yeah, I mean, it It goes back to the same thing with games as a service. You know, you got to try to steal those customers from, you know, playing the one game to playing your game. So when you find that good, that good loop, that good gameplay loop, it's hard to uh, break that. So plus, yeah, I was looking at Monopoly Go. Uh, I saw Monopoly Go ads almost everywhere in Hulu. Whenever I had to watch Hulu paying the ad version of it, the ad tier, that one just came Every single time. It was so prolific. Like, you keep seeing Monopoly go. There's like, most of them suck. Like, they're so terrible. Like, most of them are, like, some of them are influencer-directed kind of cheap advertisement. But one of them was, like, a really funny one. Uh, this, uh, like, if you ever see Hulu, it's the one with the guy with the mustache. Uh, I know that doesn't really help anything. But, yeah, that was, like, one of the best ad I've seen in a long time. It's pretty good. But, like, yeah, Monopoly Go, it managed to penetrate the top 10 because it spent a lot of amount on advertisement. And I'm sure, like, a lot of these mobile games, they operate on a app store kind of thing where they have to pay 30% commission to uh, whatever store that they're into. That's a crazy amount of money being made, man. Yeah, it's nuts. It's crazy to think about. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they they can't be uh they can't be underestimated. Really, to be honest, they're the games that are appealing the most to regular people, like regular people, as in like much more regular than you and I. You know? Yeah, like you said, you know, your moms, your dads, you know, that are just like trying to kill some time while they're waiting for their car to get worked on or whatever the hell you know. Exactly. Well, speaking of mobile games, then moving towards another news from Mobile Gamer, uh, we're seeing from the Reuters and everybody else that Microsoft is now starting to position into making its own Xbox App Store. It already owns Kings, which is where the Candy Crush uh, is usually marketed or like sold. So it already owns like an Activision Blizzard King. So like it's kind of a uh, speculation, but they're trying to position into creating a new App Store considering all of the news regarding the Epic's lawsuit against Google and Apple has kind of come out. And it looks like According to another article from Polygon, the Supreme Court is not going to hear any more further appeal from Epic or Apple regarding a decision that they've already made, which kind of says that Apple is not acting as an illegal monopoly, but by preventing Epic from selling it using its own website and uh, website and platform, Apple is breaking the antitrust laws. So we'll be seeing a lot more app stores kind of coming out from multiple different areas now. If this decision holds firm, then Apple's going to have to start allowing other app stores on its platform as well. That's the uh, main speculation. 
Yeah, um, you, you just jump between two different articles, but hey, you know, let's uh, let's roll yeah. with it because it's sorry thing, about right? it. But no, no, because, no, like, they're both the same kind of articles, yeah. to be really honest. Yeah. Uh, I, wa- I should have combined them a little bit more better. No, no, no. But no, yeah, they're both the same. It's good. It's good. Um, yeah. So it's really, I don't know. It's, I feel like it's kind of telling that the Supreme Court declines to pick a side, you know, in this, this legal battle with Ep- Epic and Apple. I feel like it's kind of like a bad precedence almost because you know they're not saying like hey apple what you're doing by not allowing anyone else to have a store it's not necessarily a bad thing or anything like that you know that kind of shitty because it lets them keep that stranglehold on their system right but also fuck epic um (laughs) they should be able to market their store the way they want to on apple as well as like you know google phones samsung phones whatever the hell right no matter how shitty that store is, yeah, they should be yeah. allowed to market it. I think you will see a president, uh, the Microsoft president, a lot more. I think it is possible, even if they do act like a monopoly. So, you know, Microsoft had that same issue where, like, uh, people were suing Microsoft because they would not allow another kind of web browser in Microsoft Windows operating system. So yep. they took it to the court, and Microsoft had to settle it outside and say, like, and then agree that they would have to allow other browsers to be on their operating system as well, which is what exactly the mirror case that Apple and Google has now with their uh, operating system and where they're putting their app store as well. So there is a precedence to it. Now look at it, right? What browser you're using and what browser you're not using. You're using Google Chrome or Opera or Firefox. You're not using Edge unless somebody actually is, uh, for which I apologize (laughs) if I'm insulting their preferred browser. But They're you know, not, we're seeing it yeah. for five years or so. So exactly, <laughs> but we're seeing you know basically like you know how this is gonna probably pan out down the road as well. Yeah. So again, though, it kind of goes back to the whole subscription thing, right? <laughs> how many different stores now are we gonna have where you have to go buy specific things or whatever the fuck you know? I mean, at least you're not having to pay to be in the store or have the store, right? Yeah, for the store, you don't have to pay. <laughs> That's the good thing about it is like, you know, at least on that end, you don't have to pay. I mean, you do have to pay whatever is inside the store, of course, but uh, you don't have to pay the store itself. Yeah. If they did that, man, I, I would be like, you're, <laughs> you're telling me I have to pay you so I have the privilege of paying you more? Yeah, I would start uh, like, you know, calling taxi company rather than using Uber if that happened. Like, just go old school after that, you know? You never know, man. But I mean, I feel like these 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 legal battles that are going on is still like in the infancy of it. I think there's still a lot to come from both of these instances. Uh, Microsoft making their own store and also Epic trying to squeeze in on Apple's territory. So I think there's still a lot to be said for both those. Yeah, I think this is like one of those kind of cases where like, you know, it's uh, we're kind of tracking it a little bit on a real time kind of basis as the news are coming out. Um, yeah. There, I think it's kind of weird the Supreme Court thinks this is not worth their time. So they don't, they, they're saying like, you know, the decisions that were made by the appeals court or district court is good enough. But in my opinion, like, you know, of course, these geriatric people in the Supreme Court, they're not going to be like, oh, what, Epic uh, Fortnite? What is that again? My grandson yeah. plays that kind of stuff. But like, <laughs> they need to kind of like, you know, understand a little bit more about how a lot of the tech industry is kind of changing. They cannot be like, this is not standard oil again. Like, you know, this is not standard yeah. oil or like those old sugar trust or some shit like that. This is a new kind of brave new world coming up. And 
either they kind of like you know learn to at least put you know judicial decisions on it better or like you know try to at least get somebody who's younger to do it because like yeah. you know, these people they still have that old 17th century mentality or something like there's literally a one philosophy of judicial review called originalist who are trying to interpret constitution based upon what the founding fathers did not taking into account that we live in a world where we have smartphones and stuff like that so like it's kind of dismaying i was hoping it would go to supreme court so that we'll see a lot more kind of engagement what kind of decisions are coming out of it but uh this is wanted to put an end to it because they probably don't understand how this thing works or something like that yeah, I think you're hitting the nail on the head, man. In our judicial system and our government in general needs to evolve with, especially like with the pace that we've been moving at with information accessibility and, and just all like that kind of encompassing thing. It's just, there's a lot out there and our government's not doing fuck all to protect us as consumers and individuals, our rights digitally. Yeah, I mean, they need to, they need to keep up. They need to be faster on these kind of yeah. things. Like, I don't need government to have all the regulations all the time, but, or like somebody like that is trying to sell some dump ass crypto and then scamming people money. Like, you don't have any regulation to protect people from it. Like, come on, this is kind of crazy kind of going on with like yeah. way too wild, wild west. Like, there should be yep. some implication to it. But hey, I don't want to go too political here, you know? Like, you know, this is a video game podcast, right? I want to yeah. make sure we. Like judicial service and judicial review just gets me wild. I think it gets a lot of people wild, though, man. But let's yeah. move on because, you know, we'll probably say some things we regret later or something like that. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> moving on to some PC gamer news again. We got Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth. Um, the developers there, I think it's Sega, making some really weird decisions on locking their new game plus behind the deluxe and ultimate edition of the game so if you have the base game you can't get access in new game plus unless you upgrade it to either the ultimate or deluxe edition so what they're saying is that hey you already paid 60 dollars for our game pay us 15 dollar more to play it at a harder same game right yeah that's basically uh, what they're saying yeah i think it's whack it's bullshit it, it, that's that right there in my opinion that is cut content that is being repackaged to you at a higher deal that shouldn't be allowed right yeah if they were doing <laughs> deluxe and it's just like skins or whatever that they're selling for 15 and 40 dollar extra nobody would have bad an eye on that one nope. like, uh, but they adding this new game plus into that scenario as well is just absolutely crazy like new game plus as every other game does is already in, built in in the you know the base game itself or it's available through you know whatever patch or dlc that they do but it is has always been free and yep. these people are trying to be some brave new world, like, you know, <laughs> pioneers of greed, I guess. Yeah. It's so crazy. Sega does so many exciting, nice things, and then they ruin their reputation immediately by pulling some crap like this. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you could say that with a lot of the big companies, right? But this is just really utterly bizarre. I mean, who does that? Who locks a New Game Plus run behind that? Now, granted... You know, there's probably not going to be, not, everyone's not going to sit here and go and play New Game Plus on like a dragon, infinite, whatever the hell it is, wealth, right? But it's the principle of it, right? Yeah. It's so long, too. It is so yeah. long of a game. And yeah. then, like, it's just crazy that they're doing this. It's it, every time somebody describes me, uh, Yakuza games, and then tell me what exactly is in it. And I keep trying to remember that this is a gangster 
game. Like this is a, ga- a game about <laughs> violence and gangsters, whether there's a karaoke or whatever. But there's so many ways they could, you know, if they really want to do this microtransaction and shit like that, uh, or like, you know, DLC and stuff. There's a lot of things in Yakuza that allows them to do it. But what they're messing with is some fundamental gameplay for like, you know, purchase and et cetera. You know, th- this is not right. People thought maybe this might have been a kind of a miscommunication or something, but it's not. It's on their website, apparently. So it's unfortunate to see that. I mean, even if I was buying the Yakuza Infinite, well, I probably am not going to be paying the deluxe versions or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, this is a title I will probably skip. I didn't play the last one. Uh, Again, they're super long games, and my attention span is just not equipped to handle that. Um, it's just too long for me. I don't have the time to play it. I would love to. They're JRPGs at heart. They're great games. I would love to jump into them. I just don't have the time. I really wish I could, though. Yeah. I mean, this is basically Animal Crossing with Yakuza characters, though. So, like, I you mean, can yeah. just kind of jump in and play a little bit or something. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can, but uh, there's other stuff that's out there that I that will yeah. grab my attention a little bit longer. So Yeah, whatever. This is disappointing news, but, you know... Let's go to much more exciting news then. Uh, this is from Xbox War itself. Uh, they're talking about a couple of the recap on what they revealed during the Xbox uh, Developer Direct. Now, there's a lot of like you know exciting things coming up, like Avowed and stuff like that. But one thing that caught my eyes, obviously, is the Indiana Jones, uh, the Dial of Great Circle. No, Indiana Jones Great Circle was showcased, and it looks really good. So apparently, this was not a game that was made by Bethesda. They're more of an executive producer. It's being developed by Machine Games, who made Wolfenstein. And, you know, Wolfenstein, they're very good at making a Nazi-related games, like killing and punching Nazis. They're very good at that. So now I'm kind of really excited. Although the Harrison Ford uh, <laughs> face model, it looks, it, it's kind of reminding me of that uh, deepfake that they did in the Dial of Destiny movie. And it's so weird and creepy whenever you look at it. Because, like, that's an actual human being, you know? Yeah, I... I uh was watching the trailer of that uh, one in particular, and it looked just, I don't know, it was almost unsettling, like that Uncanny Valley almost or something like that. I don't know. There was it, there was just something about that whole trailer that I just did not really jump like full into. I don't know. No, that is exactly it. Like face is the final frontier of CGI. It's like really, really hard because our human eyes are so good at recognizing faces or if something is wrong with the face and it's not, you know, real or something. So it's not easy to do. People are pushing their, you know, VFX technology as far as they can to get a really realistic face. What, in my opinion, they should have done is what they did with when Mad Max game came out at the same time as Fury Road. Instead of basing the character model with the movie, they just went ahead and created a new character model itself. And it makes it a lot more, like, you know, different and much more like you know fun to kind of play that game when you don't have to look at cgi version of young harrison for it it doesn't bring that uncanny valley uh immediately to your mind yeah makes you run away the to the other side of the planet to get away yeah. from it right yeah. yeah not to complain though because like it is pretty good and it has that sheen that you know uh machine games in wolfenstein and wolfenstein new order has uh it looks really good i'm really excited about it you know, I, I love playing Wolfenstein Youngblood and all those games, uh, the new 
versions of the Wolfenstein. I never played the older ones, but yeah, I'm excited for this one, not knowing that Bethesda probably doesn't have too much hand in it. And uh, machine games, you know, they're very good at establishing their own narrative. It's pretty good. So yeah, I like it. Yeah, um, I played the, the newer Wolfensteins as well. They were really good. I enjoyed them a lot. Um, Senua's Saga Hellblade, too, that was also kind of showed there. Um, did you ever play the first one, Ari? Uh, I know I played just a little bit, but I never finished that game. I, As I was playing it, I, I did not like the horror element. Like, I'm, Not because it's bad, because I just, I'm, a, I'm not a very big horror person. Uh, so like I did not continue playing it, but I played a little bit of it, and then I watched a couple of gameplays. Yeah, I, it was good. I enjoyed the story. I don't know if I'll play the second one or not. It's much so, more linear of a game. I think yeah. this is the kind of game you'd probably be able to set up some time to play and then be done with. It looks really good. Like the f- combat system, in my opinion, looks a little bit better than what I remember from the first one. Uh, so it'll be pretty kind of interesting, kind of check it out. I think if I get enough courage or muster enough courage, I'll probably try and play it. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'll I'll see if it's worth like taking a look at or whatever. Um, what about Avowed? That was also shown. Um, how are CBN, you feeling right? on that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's CBN. an Obsidian game. I'm excited. I mean, they do RPGs well. They do a lot of player choices a lot well. So I'm excited. I love the Outer Worlds. Uh, I know it was a little bit for, like, you know, I think a lot of people liked it, but it was a really like, you know, touted as like a best game or anything but it's a lot of fun i'm excited about the about i think this is from what the same universe as what's the other game that it's based on is that is that path of exile no right no not path of exile shoot what was it yeah what's about based on like i know it's from like a built-in universe that is already there yeah it's already established or whatever i'd have to look it up to try to figure it out it did look good though the trailers look pretty decent and stuff it looks definitely unique and interesting so avowed is from the same universe as pillars of eternity pillars of eternity there we go i just got a notification my friends playing pal world <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah he should be catching up on Baldur's gate what is he doing yeah. and that might be his wife playing it actually now that i think about it nah well what were, what were we talking about yeah about about yeah. yeah pillars of eternity i'm excited about it uh obsidian like uh I'm excited for the games, to be really honest. Um, I love the Outer Worlds. What is the uh, last Obsidian game that we played? I think Outer Worlds is probably the last it, one. Is that the last one? I know. I, think I thought so. we talked about Obsidian pretty recently. I think it's the one where they were trying to do uh, like Elder Scroll kind of uh, oh, filler yeah, games that, or something like that. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what it was. We were just talking about that versus Bethesda doing it or whatever. Well, I think yeah. I saw that uh, Vowd's coming out later this year. I think it was third or fourth quarter. So. Yeah, and then I guess the uh, the other game on here, our uh, history untold. I have no idea what the fuck that is. I honestly don't really give a shit. So if you want to skip talking about this one, that's a okay with me, nah. man. I mean, for the whole Xbox uh, Direct, I'm not really excited about anything other than the Indiana Jones. I don't see how that one goes because, in my opinion, Indiana Jones is a good franchise that does not get a lot of uh, management. Like it doesn't stay in the popular culture long enough. For like you know, people to remember it, and then when they bring out the movie, uh, you're like, "Listen, man! Like last I saw it was I was in like in high school. Now you know, I'm like a 35 year old with kids or something like that. I'm not gonna go watch this movie or something like that." So it needs a little bit of management uh, kind of thing, and it needs a yeah. new person being Indiana Jones too. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what it, you know how it how it comes out. We'll see. I actually just went and bought the 
that circle dial movie or whatever the fuck that shitty one is. <laughs> dial of Destiny. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what it is. There we go. The, you know, that movie does have uh, one scene that is really, really good. Uh, it's, it's the one where, like, Harrison Ford really shows his acting skills, in my opinion. Uh, it's, does he punch a Nazi? No, no, no. This is the scene where he's uh, talking about his son, played by Shia LaBeef in the last one. <laughs> Uh, what happened to him, or why is he not in the you know movie oh, anymore? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Can't wait yeah, to not. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean Shia LaBeef is not in the movie, so don't worry about it. But yeah. he talks about what happened with that uh, with that whole storyline and etc. So it's kind of a. I thought it was a little bit heartbreaking when I was listening to it. You'll, I don't know. Anyway, spoiler alert: if you care about Shia LaBeef, I mean, dude's okay, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, what has he been big one recently, right? I don't really remember. Well, Jeff moving Morse. on to the last news, the uh, uh, I think this is from PC Game SN, but yeah, the uh, YouTuber and filmmaker of Half Life series Freeman's Mind, uh, what's his name? Yep, Ross Scott has decided to uh, kind of like you know, bring a lawsuit to Ubisoft for closing the cruise server. I hey. think he's yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Ubis- Ubisoft in the news again, doing shitty stuff. Surprise, surprise, <laughs> right? Yeah. I think this is how it's going to go. They're going to go to the court, and then Ubisoft's going to show the terms and conditions where it says you do not own the game. That's literally what it's going to happen. But I think there should be a little bit more, in my opinion, a backlash for when this kind of stuff happens. So that people don't realize that, yeah, they have signed terms and conditions, but you tell me a single human being that has ever read a terms and condition fully. Yeah, that for one. Also, two, uh, we're also talking about if you own the physical copy of the crew, it will also be bricked. Yeah. Not just the digital copy. If you have a physical copy, you will not be able to play it at all, even a physical copy. That is super shitty, in my opinion. That is, yeah. I, that's the lowest of low right there, if you ask yeah. me. Yeah, I mean, I never really liked the crew, to be honest, as a racing game, but I know oh. there are people who like it, but still, you know. I never played it. I, I I don't give a fuck about it. But again, it's the principle of things. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And so this is where like you have to make your stand, right? Even though it's a game that you might not play or whatever, right? You you have no interest in. It's still like this is huge fucking news that Ubisoft is a, a able to do this and b say fuck you to gamers and get away with it. Exactly. Well, hopefully, let's see how this lawsuit even goes. That. Uh, I don't think it's going to go far, to be really honest. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, unfortunately, right? Uh, but, you know, good luck to Ross Scott. I mean, fucking Supreme Court will just say that they don't want to see it because they don't know anything about Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what my grandson plays? <laughs> God, man. Yeah, I, 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 there's so much hate and visceral boiling inside me about this this statement and just Ubisoft's actions in general this past week, I can't even begin to describe my disdain with them. Yeah. Some big words right there. I don't usually use those. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's because we've been writing a lot on our uh like you know, whenever we do show notes and stuff like that. So we're trying <laughs> to put our vocabulary into like, you know, <laughs> Uh, absolute limit no that's good man uh even if we don't get good games we can get good vocabulary out of it yeah i wish we had better news to end on <laughs> yeah well how's but, your pie working did you get a did your pie uh, come out really good 
yeah, it's it's cooling down right now. I got to give it like an hour or whatever. So, you know, let's move on to our next segment then, right, Ian? Uh, what are we talking about this week? Sniper Elite 5. Catch me in the bushes, mother. Hey, or- I, don't know about you, I don't know about you, Ari, but I fucking love this franchise, man. Um, you keep, you're just you gonna keep telling you. Like <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I was just trying to make you feel awkward. Nah, <laughs> dude, this is a good, good game, and I had a pretty good time. I think the last Sniper Elite I played was the Sniper Elite 3. So this was kind of skipping the Sniper Elite 4 on my end and playing the uh, Sniper Elite 5 directly. And by God, like, there's a huge amount of difference, and we can maybe, like, you know, go a little bit later on. Probably not, to be honest, because I don't remember Snapper Elite 3 that well. But <laughs> there's so much more option in this one. And it was a really great fun. Like, And I love kind of like a sneak play and the sniper kind of play. Whenever I'm playing like an RPG, I try to be a sniper as much as possible. So this was like a game kind of designed for me to play completely. It was like awesome. Yeah, I mean, if you enjoy sniping in video games, that you cannot beat this game. Like, you literally can't. It's all you really do in this game is stalk your prey, find a good fucking place to put up in, and once you you learn their their pattern, you just, at the prime opportunity, you just fucking take that shit. And it's got the kill cam and the x-ray cam. Beautiful. Excellent done. Yeah, and you do not have, the gameplay does not allow you to do it any other way, to be really honest, right? Uh, You have, like, in your health, but, like, you cannot go gun blazing like you would with a normal RPG. This is specifically really puts you an advantage to do the sniping. The levels themselves, in my opinion, is not like, you know, big levels. But when you have to do the sneak and snipe, it does take quite a bit of gameplay, like, you know, length to do it. So that was a good part. It's like a lot of meat into it when you do it properly. Yeah. Um. On average, Ari, how long did it take you to beat a level? I would say, like, yeah, as I was saying, you know, uh, earlier part of the episode, I usually reserve hour and a half to two hours. So I would usually spend about that amount of time in every single level trying to do every objective, every optional objective, trying to collect more items, figuring out where all the workbenches are and et cetera. So I try to go as detailed as possible. So I spent about two hours on every episode. Yeah. Remember when I told you that I spent two hours on the first mission and you laughed at me? Remember that? <laughs> 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 yeah if it makes me look bad ian i never remember anything <laughs> Nah, it's all good man I, if you want to if that's the thing with this game if you want to get like that three star complete the, the the mission fully i mean you have to take your time and go through it there was plenty of times where i reloaded saves and stuff like that just because like i would get caught you know, or I would make just a bad decision and I just didn't like the outcome. So there was a lot of that on my part. That is exactly how I played as well. A lot of save games. Imagine if this had the same save game as Evil West, how <laughs> much of a nightmare it would have been. But it has like, and you can save anywhere you want to. And anytime I would enter a new area where I don't know where enemies are located, even though the map kind of lays out, the map lays out pretty well, your enemies going to be around that area. Uh, it makes you a little bit like you know a little bit scared to kind of go in so i'd use the save game and see where they are and then if i get caught i try to gung-ho but then i <laughs> uh, usually like you know, i die so i can restart again uh you know one of the best thing about the restart in here is that once you discover certain kind of locations here uh you can restart your episode from that area of the map it doesn't always have to be from the same area you can kind of find like a, a different kind of a part of the map where it's better to restart from you can do that too so that was like a really cool part of the gameplay i thought 
Yeah. I, I, I was took a different approach. I usually would uh, post up somewhere and just kind of binoculars and I would spend like five to 10, maybe even 20 minutes literally just looking around and just spotting everyone that I could. That's kind of how I went about doing it. Uh, that was, that's honestly my favorite way to play these games. It's just like to watch and just like find all like the NPCs and shit. I love that shit. Yeah, you like to kill them from a distance, right? That's the yeah, that's the best way to do it. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. the thing. But like for tagging, I thought I had a little bit of harder time with that one. The enemies is really hard for me to spot prior to the tagging through the binoculars. Like uh, they kind of mesh into the background, a like gray background, pretty easily. So it was really hard. And plus, like some of the labels are so detailed, which is not a bad thing, right? But it's so detailed that enemies are hiding behind the building. So you can't really scope out as much as you want. You can maybe scope out a couple of the enemies in that area. But when you go closer, there will be more and you have to be able to kind of figure out where they are using what I did. It was like the save game method. Uh, like, you know, <laughs> basically like running into the enemy and then dying and then yeah. making sure that I've saved in the right place. So the tagging portion was not as beneficial for me. Only in some like really open areas where like the tagging possible uh, to be really, to be fair on my end. Like that was one of the little complaints I had about the gameplay is like I could not fully utilize the tagging because like in Sniper Elite 3, what I do remember is that the tagging is really really easy it makes the game really really easy like your vantage point really allows you to look at everywhere but that's also because of the background which is in a desert allows you to kind of like and have a much more open space this one's a lot more like in a normandy beach and etc so it's a little bit more kind of places to hide yeah a lot of foliage and stuff like that i mean i think it was good because it adds a certain kind of realism to it you know what i mean the enemies really can hide. So you really have to, and like you said, the tagging, I remember in three, it was kind of loose. Like you didn't need to be completely focused on them and you would still be tagging them. But in this one, you had to, you had to have them center screen and you had to sit on them for a minute before you really got them tagged. Um, the other thing that I did too, was as I got closer on your mini map, like the kind of the white circle areas where it would, there would, indicate there was someone there i would just make sure that i paid attention to those spots and as i moved closer i would do like the whole focus thing or whatever as i was moving through buildings and stuff so yeah the focus is um it's not it doesn't have a very good range does it like it's not great but but it is very helpful yeah the the focus is basically your eagle eye or whatever you know you know call it like the kind of gameplay that allows you to spot where your enemies are behind the wall and etc but in this one it's i thought like it doesn't really help you as much it does give you kind of a example i wish it also triangulated your enemy if they're close enough uh, and tag them so that you know uh, you can kind of keep track of it but that's more like you know a different kind of gameplay request more than a criticism to be really honest but it still does not really hamper your gameplay on that and it's like there are a couple of parts, you know, where like they cannot just make it so easy that you can just sit in one vantage area and shoot everybody and then complete the mission, right? They have to kind of create a gameplay where you have to move around, you have to sneak around, you have to find weaknesses and use environment and stuff like that. So I can understand why it's not as easy as I would have liked it. Yeah, they could have made it like a, a level up, um, you know, perk or whatever that you could have acquired, which would have been nice. Which is interesting as you bring up the perk. Uh, the perks are, well, to be really honest, it, they're garbage. You, they're, they're garbage. Yeah, 
they're garbage perks, to be really honest. Yeah. Like most of the perks, like you really can go through your game without them. Um, it's it's basically like like if you're doing a sneak and successfully sneaking around, what you're gonna use a perk about your health? I mean, it doesn't really make any yeah. sense. Like no. it's it's that kind of thing. It's like you know a lot of the perks are garbage. The perk system says garbage, in my opinion. Uh, this is like basically added some ad hoc kind of like what perks works the best. Like the one of the perks is like you know you have you can shoot enemies uh, while you're wounded, which is weird because if I'm a sniper, my enemies would not even know that I'm around there. They should not be shooting me if I'm doing my gameplay properly, like proper sneaking, etc. Then that perk doesn't really make any sense because like I got the perk, but it didn't really help me with anything on that end because I never was in a position where like I'm so hurt that you know like I need to be able to still shoot because like yeah. if I'm hurt I'm dead <laughs> I'd rather yeah. restart the game and uh, save point yeah I honestly I didn't even get the those perks um the one that lets you shoot while you're down and stuff like that the, like even though they're garbage like it's still nice to have there because it's something to work forward to right because there was the one that was like you move faster while you focus i'm pretty sure that was a perk so like that was a good pickup one and then you know like the the extra specialty ammo for your primary weapon and your secondary weapon and your sidearm and stuff like carrying more decoys or tnt and stuff like that teller mines like those are always good in my opinion so like i'm glad that they did have some of that stuff in there but for the most part yeah they were garbage yeah they're yeah i mean i'm not gonna say like you know all of them are useless no no like the perks are you know well that's what they are they're perks they kind of make the gameplay a lot easier of course but like a lot of the perks are just I don't know. It, it wasn't like enhancing my gameplay experience as much as I would want perks to kind of do. Uh, yeah. But that's not a big kind of complaint to be honest. Cause I, the main focus is like, you know, your weapons and et cetera and trying to design how you play the game, which one thing is that it does get a little bit re- repetitive. Like after you figure out, like, you know, how to uh, really, after you get your subsonic bullets and stuff like that, which reduces the sound your gun is making after you have decided that, okay, the gameplay I want to do is, suppressors and sneak and basically from a distance kind of killing then it becomes repetitive as you move through the levels and then it doesn't really advantage you as much to focus on different kind of gameplay which could be like you know gun blazing or whatever or closer distance bringing somebody luring someone to a trap or something like that like once your gameplay is kind of set like it gets a little bit repetitive in my opinion yeah i mean it definitely does but the game is sniper elite not run in your face shotgun elite you know so i mean i'd play play that game it's understandable why it's repetitive and i mean if you enjoy sniping you're going to enjoy this if you don't enjoy sniping that much you're not going to enjoy this game this is not a run in guns blazing type of game um it is very stalking your prey and waiting for the right moment to shoot i will say this is one thing that annoyed me um they do have kill targets with every mission I fucking hated that you had to do specific things on the kill targets to unlock new weapons. Mm, yeah, like the weapons being hidden behind the workbench discovery are like, you know, especially like getting more EXP if you leave the Nazis alive, which is, yeah, I don't know, what the hell? Like, yeah, I mean, I'm I, not a murderer or anything, but like, I don't want to do non-lethal. I want my bullet to go through the Nazis' head and then <laughs> crush their skull. Yeah. Why would I want like a non-lethal? But, but there are people who do. But like you level up faster if you use non-lethal, apparently. Uh, yeah. Which I didn't understand to be really honest. But yeah, like oh, what we were saying is that uh, 
Yeah. What were we saying? Sorry, so, I forget. That, that you had the high value target basically on your mission. And so you couldn't really just take that high value target out with your snipe rifle from like a billion yards away, right? I remember one of them in a train yard, you had to set a rat bomb for him and he would shoot the rat and it would detonate and explode and kill him. There was another one where you had to push a guy basically into not a cement mixer, but what the cement was dumping into and basically bury him in cement. And you had to do those kind of like unique kills on them to unlock more weapons. So like other sniper rifles, handguns, you know, other just guns in general. And I thought that was fucking dumb. Yeah, I, I mean, it's supposed to be like the Hitman kind of scenario, right? Uh, basically yeah. a poor man's Hitman, like you're trying to get a kill target. But I think that would have served better if it was like in some sort of a, like a kill mode, like a different gameplay mode rather than the single player. It would have been fun to kind of do that. Because like, as I said earlier, it's like when you do the whole sniper elite, like, you know, be a sniper, the gameplay does take a long time to kind of do. Like two hours for one level is quite a bit of amount of time. Yeah, uh, and like you know, if you're putting the kill target a specific kind of killing, it's that's what it is. But on my end, for like weapons is another thing. I would say like you don't really need to modify your weapons a lot. It is so much compromising when it comes to weapons modification. Like you add something, you lose something every single time. Yeah, that I only have a good suppressor, and that's about that I put most of the mod is like. And then if I have some like good like you know control and etc and then i don't change anything other than the suppressor or the sights and scopes on my rifle usually and every single weapon that i have i try to just put up more suppressor and more control than anything else and every other crafting i just completely disregard it i don't i don't do any other crafting options on that because like here in this game it allows you to uh modify you know your uh I'm not a very good at a gun uh, physiology yet, so you can kind of like get help out on that end. Like your part that you put your hand in or the part that you put your the bullets in. The, not the trigger, but the uh, the holster. Not holster, but like the grip. You yeah. Can, a modifier grips. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll let you <laughs> describe it. You know, the thingy with the thingy oh, yeah. and the, that thingy I mean, and then the pointy and shooty part. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you had like some barrel modifications, uh, some some of like the butts on the guns and stuff like that. And yeah, a lot of them, like you said, you add something, but you take something away as well. And just like you, man, I, you know, I would alter a couple of things on the guns, but I would largely keep them the same. Like you said, throw a suppressor on there, you know, probably a different scope and anything that can uh, make it steadier when I shoot. And that's about it. Yeah, that's about it from the weapons crafting point and... Like anything other than that sniping portion of thing, which is the main bulk of the gameplay, everything else is so ad hoc in a yeah. sense. Like you don't really like, you know, you don't, you can, you can focus on it if you want to, but uh, for me, it was not rewarding to focus on it at all. No, 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 it definitely wasn't like it. it it's main focus is sniping for sure. Um, one question I wanted to ask you, Ari, cause you said the last one you played was the third one, which was largely like desert areas and stuff like that. What did you think of the environments in this one? Yeah, I was actually, it's interesting. I was about to talk about the level variety. It's very good. There has such a great amount of level variety. Like the first mission happens in outside in like, you know, uh, kind of a farm kind of area. But then you go to a, a chateau, which is a lot more detailed building area with like almost a city even. And then you go towards trenches, you go towards beach, you go towards like, you know, so many different kind of areas with like every, or like a war factory or 
so many different detail kind of areas that there is a different approach in all those areas that you want to go into. And it feels like you're always moving from different places. While Snapper Early 3, it felt like you're just moving from one desert to the other desert with like a different kind of layout more than anything else. But in this one, like, you know, there's a lot more variety to kind of see like invading or liberating one of the French towns is a lot more different than uh, trying to find your targets in the chateau or something like that. Yeah, I love the environments in this one. Honestly, probably my favorite, hands down. Um, I thought they were all very, all varied and unique. Like you said, you went from farmyards to city to uh, castle, train yard. Like it, there's just there was so much variety there, and it was all really unique and felt different. I loved it. I thought it was great. Honestly, I couldn't ask for like a better game. I remember three being really deserty, and I didn't care for that all that much. I remember four as well being kind of similar through a lot of the levels um i'd have to go back and play it but this one just felt like every level was unique to me yeah do you have any favorite one that you really liked um, I, I haven't played the last two episodes yet yeah but that's I've that's played. that's where i left off too um yeah. i didn't play did the you, last two episodes did you play any dlcs with this one no 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 i didn't get the lc with this one I don't know if I'll have the time to kind of check it out. Maybe one day I'll come back and do it. But like, yeah, after doing with the episode 10, I'll probably put this game down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it was, yeah, the level designs are really good. It's very intricate. There are a lot of areas for you to hide, especially in the dense kind of areas are my favorite. The Chateau level is probably one of my favorite ones. Other than that, uh, I also really like the sound design and all the, uh, like, you know, Every time you shoot a sniper rifle, there's like an impact, like sound wise. Yeah. It, oh, it yeah. feels it, so good yeah. uh, when it goes through it. And when it goes through the human body, you know, I'm going to sound like a psychopath, <laughs> but it sounds so good when the bullet goes through the body and then shows the x ray version of it and et cetera. It's really well made sound design for like a game that is not a very big one. But yeah, you can, and the sound plays such an important aspect in your gameplay too. Like you can use sound to lure your enemies. You can use sound to create a false diversions. You can use sound to kind of like, you know, shoot from one place and then your enemies knows if you don't have a very good, uh, suppressor and et cetera or sound blocking or sound masking as they call it in this one, then your enemies know where you're going to be and they come to investigate you. So you can use that as a strategy to lure enemies out. You can use like shoot a enemy on their person not kill them but like hit them on the leg or something like that incapacitate them and it draws out other enemies from the areas and you can tag them all at the same time like it's so many creative way of playing on that end but like the sound design itself is really really good it's 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 it sounds amazing whenever you hear the gunshot it's so impactful yeah i it's it's such a good sound it gives you that dopamine that hit that you want so bad and like hearing like the bullet like whiz and stuff and like pinging around when it hits their helmet and shit like oh, it's yeah. so fucking good you asked me what my favorite level was i would have to say like mostly any of the open kind of field levels were really good there was like two yeah. of them yeah um, when you have to kind of face those tanks it's a little bit of a bitch but yeah, yeah th- those are a pretty good one like yeah I mean, they can't expect a sniper to go up against a tank this is kind of weird but- i mean you can avoid it but it's so much funner to just fucking take it out with a panzer so yeah the trenches are in my opinion 
the most difficult of the levels, like the part of the levels where like you have to go through the trench and then try to find yeah. the enemies was a little bit more difficult than like going through like in you know, buildings and stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, because like you don't have a lot of spot to hide around and you have to be very quick reaction. And like sniper rifle is not going to work in a trench. You need to be close quarter combat. So you need to have your uh, pistol or like, you know, your hand or like in you know, a submachine gun ready to go. Which brings to one complaint is like your secondary weapons, uh, they're very bad. In my opinion, the aim assist on those things are not very good. And like when you're trying to shoot from the corner, you don't know if it's going to go through the, like, you know, from the corner to their head or something like that. It's really hard to kind of like, it always gets blocked whenever I'm trying to shoot from a hidden position, like behind a uh, wood, like wall or something like that. So it's always kind of confusing on that end. Uh, it's not very good from the secondary weapon perspective. Like the submachine gun, it takes a long time to kill someone with your submachine guns, and then they make a lot of noise, so you usually only have it as a show. You don't really use it as much anyway. But yeah, your secondary weapons are, in my opinion, just kind of crap. I used my submachine gun once the entire time, and that was when I had to kill two people that were right next to each other. I just fucking did a lineup and got both of them. Other than that, it was pistol and sniper rifle. That was it. Yeah, it has such a widespread the submachine gun. Like, if they're way too far, yeah, you got to be really close. And the pistol also has like kind of a spread as well, which is something you can modify using your uh, the weapons craft and whatever. But it's it, yeah, the even pistol has a little bit of spread, and you can miss pretty close enough targets sometimes. No spread if you hit him in the head. No, it does. Like that's the problem. The problem is like I was trying to like sneak from the behind instead of using my melee weapon, or, like in you know, my knife or whatever. I'm trying to uh, like shoot them behind so I can get more cinematics of the bullet going through. But like literally from underneath their chin, I'm trying to shoot them while sneaking in. So like it usually like doesn't really work out sometimes because I miss quite a bit if I'm not close enough. But yeah, the secondary weapon I could I could care less about those. Yeah. So before we wrap this up, a story, tell me, what'd you think? I see your notes. Yeah, it's a classic one-man army, John Rambo kind of story. Even the guy talks like, you know, your 80s uh, hero. All characters are so, like, one-dimensional, which is a good thing that I'm enjoying the gameplay that I don't really care on the story for this time. But yeah, cheesy dialogues. And they have this one character. She's a French resistance. uh, You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she is like the most French stereotype that has ever been put on screen. It's like she's wearing a beret with a scarf and then talking oh. the worst French accent. I'd say like somewhere from Louisiana is pretending to be French kind of accent. Wee oui, wee. Wee wee, Mr. Oh, like Monsieur Shadow. It's so bad. And that character always throws me off the story. Every single time I see her, I just kind of like get a chuckle, like laugh at it. It's just, yeah, the, the story itself is like, you know, it could have been better. I think the story should have, you know, focused on trying to put us in the middle of the actual battles that were happening around the time. Like your, you know, Normandy battles were happening. I was, wish there was like a big set pieces instead of like, you know, you're going from episode to episode. It doesn't have a very big kind of moment or crescendo when it comes to how the episode ends. It's very like, you know, one same tone from episode to episode. It's a good thing you'll enjoy the sniping because... If you're trying to focus on the story, there's not really much in there at all. Like what I would have preferred, and this is not a complaint on the story, is that they should have integrated the actual World War II battles a lot more. Like imagine you're trying to fight in Normandy as a sniper, trying to 
take out the Nazi defenses in the you know, beach or something like that, even though that's not how actually Norm- Normandy battle went. But still, you know, or like Battle of the Bulls where like you're in the snow and just trying to figure out where your enemies are. Like taking Fairburn, who's the main character, through multiple stages of World War II and putting him through multiple different kind of battle it would have really shown how he grows through the battle, like, you know, from one beginning of the battle to the end of the battle, what he's kind of a person is. It would have made him more rounded, but uh, that was not what their intention was. Their intention was to just to give you a good sniping experience. Yeah. No, the story was very flat, for sure. Um, I I do like your idea on how they should have incorporated, like, actual battles, because when you think about it, like, if you had, like, an allied and an access side both going at it, and you're trying to trying to get through and you got fire you know firefighting going on on either side of you and shit it would have made it a lot more intense because a lot of the the levels that you play you know it's literally just like the nazis are just kind of on patrol just walking around you know there's no there's no battles going on yeah the battle that happened in the uh in the village right where we have to go up against the tank it's kind of crazy it's like they're all on patrol even though the Americans are right across the fucking bridge. Like, there's no battle happening anywhere. There's, like, not no big set pieces or anything. Like, imagine, like, Saving Private Ryan kind of, you know, opening yeah. uh, set piece are happening. And then you're, as a sniper, like, you're trying to either Save behind the, the enemy ally. lines. Yeah. Like, you're already behind the enemy lines, maybe. And then you're trying to make it more save your ally. You're going to help them out a lot more. Like, that would have been, like, absolutely great. But... That was not the scope of their gameplay, maybe. Like, maybe, you know, it's a small studio and small kind of game. It's not a very big kind of uh, franchise, even though it's the fifth one. Yeah. But, you know, it had been much more better if there was, like, you know, I mean, I remember the Call of Duty mission, right? That had the, uh, uh, like, the uh, Normandy invasion mission. That was one of the best one I remember. Not Call of Duty. I think Medal of Honor. That's the one that had it. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, that's basically the Saving Private Ryan, but on a video game. It was freaking amazing in my opinion if i remember correctly if it was medal of honor i think that's it so i've played most of them and i think the last time that they did something like that would have been the second one because if i remember correctly the second one had you actually going through like towns and cities and stuff like that and it was very intense uh these later ones have not been like that at all uh which is a little unfortunate but i don't know maybe they'll return to it in the next one you know yeah, yeah. Like I, I want to see like being part of the war itself would have been so much more fun, uh, which is not a complaint because, as I said, you know, you can't judge a game for what it isn't or what it could have been. You should just judge it for what it is. And what it is is Sniper Elite Five is a great game to play. Like it's great gameplay. You can give less than a shit about the story. That's fine. Yeah, because the gameplay is like so it takes you through like such a kind of a drags you through the story in a good way. Like you're sniping, you're sneaking, you're so focused on trying to make sure you don't get caught that you don't really pay attention on the stories at all. Yeah, Um, it definitely it draws you in with just its gameplay itself. So it's it's doesn't really matter. The story kind of sucks. The gameplay really does make up for it, in my opinion, for sure. Gameplay and Hitler's ball. (laughs) <laughs> it draws you in with hitting Hitler's ball off, which is, I think, one of the... Uh, um, that was a DLC. A DLC. <laughs> you pay for one ball at a time. Yeah. $15, new game plus, shit Hitler's balls yeah. off. Yeah. I pay that. <laughs> so overall, oh. you know, we had a pretty good experience with this game, right? Yeah. I'm glad we both enjoyed it. Yeah, exactly. 
This doesn't happen a lot, does it? No, it seems like it doesn't. But it, we definitely, I feel like we both enjoyed this one a lot. And, you know, more or less for the same things, really. So yeah. I, I'm glad you enjoyed it because I know I enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it because I enjoyed it too. Hell yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's all for our episode today. Thanks, Ian, again, joining. You know, I enjoy talking about video games all the time with you. Every day. Well, not every day. Every Monday. Every week. <laughs> Uh wow, you got it wrong. It's every Tuesday because I have to re- edit it and then post it tomorrow. So it's Man. gonna be Tuesday every Tuesday. Ed. Man, you don't read our so description or anything. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't read any. I don't do any kind of preparation. The only preparation I do is for my drink <laughs> and your pie. How'd that work yeah. out? Uh, it's still cooling down. <laughs> I'll let you know tomorrow. Uh, all right, man. That's great. Uh, so everyone, uh, l- thank you for listening. If you'd like to reach out to us, highpingbastards at gmail.com is where you can reach us out at. So again, thank you for listening and thank you in for being here. Bye. Later. Bye-bye.